Welcome to the UC Santa Cruz Arts Division Art of Change podcast, where we take a look at the latest news and events happening throughout the Arts Division at UC Santa Cruz. I'm your host, Maureen Dixon-Harrison, the Assistant Director of Communications for the UC Santa Cruz Arts Division. It's definitely a bummer, for lack of a better word, to not be able to have a show in a real space, but I think doing it virtually also kind of gives us a few more options as far as what we can show and how we can show certain things. So, you know, that was that's the positive note that I've been kind of telling myself and again and again until I believe it. This group is different because we've been through an entire year of remote operations and remote learning. Yeah, I feel like compared to last year's Irwin group, like we have had a year-ish of like online classes, like online um, studio classes have been really strange. I think prior to like quarantine and COVID, I had been doing a lot of printmaking and like stuff that relied on having that access to the studios. And I've been trying to work with this virtual space, kind of gets you down a little bit, not being able to see my classmates in person, not being able to like celebrate the reception in person. But I think that it's still such a wonderful opportunity and I'm just happy to be able to participate in it. I am proud to be a part of this second virtual Irwin show. It is amazing how tenacious everyone has been to continue and show work even in all of the challenges. And that's kind of one of those themes that Fabricating Solace shows to me is it's about intention, it's about perseverance, it's about finding a way to be content in what we have. We've definitely had a lot of time to adapt to it. I think it still is obviously disappointing because we all would love to sort of collaborate in person. But I think it, it sort of lends like an interesting landscape for us to do this and sort of it, the, the pandemic in itself and the sort of isolation we've felt have, we felt have created like this interesting set of challenges that I think we're tackling through the virtual world. And I've never done a, an exhibition in person before, so I don't have a very good comparison. There's totally this element of kind of isolation from my peers' work even, just because I, I can't see what they're working on. I can't just like look over their shoulder and, uh, and see what they're making. I just, I'm more of a hands-on person. I'd like to see people and meet them and actually have an intimate conversation and that's really hard to work with other people when you're doing it online. You can't really get around the medium that you're using to connect with your audience and it's something that we've all throughout like the beginning of the pandemic have had to address in changing our practices to accommodate how our audience is understanding it because a lot of them are physical spaces. 
and feels really excited by the possibility that our, our work can be huge because that seems like a privilege that you get once you are an established artist. I'm super curious and trying to come up with ideas for how I want to display my artwork because you're sort of given a lot of um, more creative freedom in the way that you can play with scale. What the students really like about that aspect of it is that it's really easy to make their artwork even bigger than they imagined or to rearrange it several times over. This idea of transitioning the experience from in-person to online um, comes with different challenges, but it also allows for a different type of archivalment. In this episode, we find ourselves still working in isolation due to ongoing COVID restrictions and without access to classrooms, offices, or numerous essential tools. But we do have a newfound hope that our lives are slowly returning to a new normal as the pandemic finally recedes. We're still on Zoom a lot these days too, and these interviews were conducted on that platform and therefore do have some sound variances. For over a year now, Students have persevered with remote learning and have discovered virtual ways to present their work. Lacking crucial materials, being isolated, and facing uncertain futures have all been part of their experience. The Irwin exhibition usually includes a highly anticipated group show in the Mary Porter Cezanon Art Gallery, complete with a lively opening night party for friends and family, plus a chance to show one's work to the UC Santa Cruz campus community and to the public. The last physical show was in 2019, and last year's exhibition was the first, and was assumed to be the last, virtual presentation. However, this year's exhibition will also have to be virtual, but with the valuable experience gained from last year, and again using cutting-edge 3D modeling tools. Entitled Fabricating Solace, the Irwin Scholarship Exhibition showcases the work of a select group of UC Santa Cruz's outstanding young artists from the art department. Please note that this episode contains brief references to sexual assault and emotional trauma. My name is Shelby Graham, and I'm the gallery director at the Mary Porter Cezanon Art Gallery, and I've been here for the last 22 years. And my role in the Irwin Scholars Exhibition is to help students learn how to put together a group exhibition. The title of the exhibition is Fabricating Solace. We always encourage the students to come up with their own title, you know, brainstorm together, you know, make the list. I also love the work on the postcard, kind of represents this quilt, like everybody contributing something to this and it's stitched or woven together and then it completes a whole that is of a comforting sort of item you know, the concept of a, of a quilt. And so I, I, I think that's really powerful. Now that we're in our second season of the pandemic, things are very different with student perspectives. We've already um, set up a great platform for a virtual exhibition for the Urban Scholars Show. And um, so we feel confident in showing the students how their work is going to be presented. So in one sense, we are uh, ahead of the curve and we we kind of know what's happening, but 
we still are coming up against student frustration without having a, a studio space. Students are you know, working out of their bedrooms or kitchen table or things like that. And so we still hear a lot of concerns that they can't do the work that they had imagined. This year, the shock of the pandemic has, has worn off. We're all used to this Zoom environment or a virtual environment where we need to discuss and plan things, but we still are not fully happy with a virtual, <laughs> virtual scene. So I think we're all trying to make the best, best of the situation, and, but we see the light at the end of the tunnel. That's what's different this year. My name is Carolyn Alfonso, and I'm graduating with degrees in art and sociology. I came to tour the art studios because I didn't apply to any art schools because I didn't know I wanted to study art until after the application process my senior year of high school. So I got to tour the art studios and kind of was poking around and I I kind of remember I cried a little bit seeing the print studio, just got really excited. So I was really dreading going here, but then kind of seeing what I would be able to do um, again, made me excited and motivated to become a slug. When Clyde and I met freshman year, first quarter in our Porter core class. And that was a lot of, I don't think it was supposed to be creative writing, but we made it into a creative writing class and as you know the growing pains and all the bullshit that kind of happens during your undergrad experience and then especially with this pandemic we were just coming from a place of frustration and confusion and we wanted to push each other and I think collaboration is such a good alternative not even to art making because it is art making but it's something that I think we're trying to do more of I lost my dad in the fall of my junior year and then I was kind of in and out of school and then it was winter quarter with all the strikes and then it was spring quarter with the pandemic and now there's that whole year of my senior year dealing with the loss of him and trying to make sense of you know the world around me given the circumstances it's been just a very strange couple of years it's weird that now it's getting into the two-year territory, but definitely hardships. But um, my practice in art definitely helped. And Clyde and I have talked a lot about art being a place for healing, or at least trying to make it a place for healing. And whether that's through humor or just, you know, facing the sadness kind of head on. Well, yeah, all those different approaches have been kind of underlying what I'm making and how I'm making it. I think it kind of shows in my work too, <laughs> and this kind of absurdist approach to dealing with grief. My name is Clay Shu, and I am graduating with a degree in art and literature. I am a first generation student. I, am, I chose UC Santa Cruz because of affordability, it was the only school um, I got in that I could, my family and I could afford. I did 
feel like I had to advocate for myself and like find information. Like my parents weren't really involved in um, like the majors I chose. I was pretty like headstrong. Like I was pretty stubborn and like not wanting to do, you know, like STEM. For a collaboration, we're making a video project. When we look back at it, I feel like we started it a few different times or like thinking behind it have always has always been there again like these I these feelings of isolation and loss and alienation and wanting to make something productive instead of or productive yeah productive about being like sad about it all. we wanted to touch on identity but in like a way that didn't appear contrived or like cliche or stereotypical and like doing it as a collaboration I think kind of shows hopefully it shows or like contradicting experiences and also like how it can unify and unite people. My name is Connor Alexander. Uh, my pronouns are he, him, his. Uh, my major is art. When I was younger, I was fortunate enough to uh, get into an art academy for middle and high school. So I've been I've been um, working on on art in the studio setting since since like sixth grade. Over the years, I really um, settled into painting as as my favorite medium. Although I I kind of like skipped around to different things just because like the school had um, all of these like resources available to me. Back in uh, middle and high school, I, I I didn't know that I was uh, transgender, so my work really. Uh, focused on what I was learning there, which was uh, mainly uh, for me as a painter, focusing on West Coast figurative artists. So Deep and Corn and are uh, two of the two of my biggest influences, and you can totally see it in in my work. I have a couple of I have a couple landscapes, um, like actually like a whole series of landscapes, uh, <laughs> uh, just kind of going off of that um, that uh, West Coast figurative style of people active in the last couple decades uh, around where I grew up in the Bay Area. I feel like I was very confused about who I wanted to be and, um, you know, like what, what my skills were and how I wanted to like enter, enter like the greater world. Uh, I got straight A's through middle and high school. So um, I, I assumed that being, you know, be, being like relatively smart, I had to like use that for something. Uh, so I, I entered college, uh, I got an ECSE and uh, had robotics engineering as my proposed major. and. Uh, I went uh, two quarters taking those classes, just feeling completely, just completely lost and, and not enjoying it at all. Yeah, again, kudos to anyone who has stuck with a STEM major because that is difficult. <laughs> very, I switched to art and uh, that, that kind of triggered like a whole just like moment of me trying to like figure out who I, who I was and actually like learning that I was transgender and uh, pursuing uh, transitioning. Coming out was um, definitely the hardest thing that I've ever done, <laughs> just because like I, I I didn't know how how like my loved ones would would react, um, and <laughs> and actually some of them reacted in just like unpredictable ways. So so that was that was definitely difficult. But um, yeah, there's there's definitely this um, feeling of found family that really helped me through it. Where even if um, like some 
some relationships with, with, with some people that I knew ended up um, getting kind of rocky. I still had this, this base of people that uh, loved me and supported me. Um, and uh, I, I'm definitely a lot happier now than I ever was before. So um, for anyone out there um, uh, contemplating uh, coming out, I guess. Um, yeah, it's um, yeah, <laughs> definitely based on your on, on your comfort level and environment, but um, I, I, I definitely um, recommend <laughs> recommend it, I guess. My name is Cassidy Skillman. I have graduated on a Bachelor of Studio Arts, and it has been a big ride. I transferred from Diablo Valley College just in late uh, 2019, and so it's been a big journey. The challenge of transferring was incredibly difficult with the, the grad student strike, the power outages, the moving you know, everyone moving off campus to the fires, you know, we were all put in a situation that nobody was comfortable in. And I think that helped us all grow and helped us all come a part of the of a community of people who have all struggled together in a certain way. I continue to work in print media and sculpture. Print media is one of those forms of art where you do a lot of pre-production and then you have to just trust the process is going to go smoothly and and hope for the best and it continued in that same feeling even at home and I I find that it's been nice because I've been able to create my own space prepare myself for um, post school and I think it's been oddly a blessing in disguise. It has absolutely had its challenges, but it wouldn't be art without them. I've been working on our forms of like institutional critique and cultural remembrance. I took a class with TJ DeMoss and I found power behind um, you know, activists and justice-based revolutionary art, specifically prints. And I have been working on pieces that that display how museums can be a front for um, investments in corrupt systems like extraction, detention facilities, defense manufacturing, and um, how they can contribute in a way to gentrification and colonial abuse. And it, it's all very deceiving. And I've been inspired by the way that in this pandemic, things have come to and people have become more aware of the impacts that institutions can create on the environment and on you know society. My name is Zoe Forsyth. I'm graduating with a art and sociology BA. I've really enjoyed art uh, here. 
it, I took my first intro to 3D art class my freshman year, and that's really what led me to fall in love with the major, decide to continue to pursue the major, and just been all the people like in the arts community and the professors and relationships that I've developed that have kept me going because it is tiresome and hard work and a lot of time and energy and but it's felt well worth it just to have had an experience to be part of this amazing community of artists who are so inspiring for me to work with. Definitely have still faced many challenges of just the confined space. It's mostly just room and the sort of like cleanup and not trying to make too much of a mess and trying not to anger my roommates by getting like oil paint all over the kitchen sink every day and things like that, that you just have to sort of work through and be conscious of. I'm working as well with photography, sculpture, and performance art. And I talk a lot about sexuality and gender in my work and sort of just the, um, our deconstructing the patriarchy and thinking about ways in which we are oppressed in these ways. And so hopefully that shines through in my work and hopefully, you know, working in these two different mediums to fight the oil and um, photography and performance art, despite the materials being so like by nature different, it'll come together as like a cohesive piece. I think the isolation and alienation, I think most of us can agree was like, just this sort of like huge, emotional transition that sort of, for me at least, led me to have time, I guess, to sort of reflect on all of my experiences. And that can be super productive in ways and also super sort of like bring up a lot of trauma and emotion that are harder to work through. And I think in general, like ultimately, it's been beneficial for my art to have had this time to sort of sit with myself My name is Luisa Valderas. I'm studying art, economics, and also sustainability studies. Initially, I started with anthropology and I realized textual analysis wasn't for me. I'm more of a visual person, so writing it is really hard. But if I were to present it in another way, like a video installation or a photograph series, it's a lot easier for me to express what I'm trying to say. I did not come from a creative family, I guess. They're more like, let's do engineer, let's do teaching. And I also moved here from the Philippines when I was 12. So the expectation for me was to become a nurse or to do something that's financially stable. But that wasn't really my interest. I just wanted to learn. I wanted to learn about how the system works around me and how that affects me and the people around me and what that looks like and question it. From my childhood to my preteens, I was used to having a lot of people around me. So when I moved to LA like during my middle school, it was very difficult because I didn't know how to speak English. But then. When I was able to realize what was going on and how things work, I was able to do it my way. It's like, okay, so this is how people talk. This is how people react to certain things. And I was able to become my own person and just have a lot of friends. 
the medium I use is photography and um, I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to show for the Irwin, but I'm thinking more like landscapes of my day-to-day life and how that changes because I want to I want it to be more happy and just to show who I am and what I do during the pandemic and how just people are staying alive and staying sane and uh, yeah and I really want to show that through photography and um, I'm also thinking about doing a video just like making coffee and just really listening to the sounds it makes and just very calming. My name is Lucinda Rose Gold, and I'm graduating with a degree in sociology and fine art. I'll be presenting a series of drawings. A lot of them are mainly pen drawings, and I've been really, really loving the feeling of ballpoint pen on raw canvas and linen. And I've been feeling like I can get a really, really rich dimensional image from that. And they're really like intimate and kind of sensual. I've been here all four years. I started doing like cognitive psychology. I think changing the degree was pretty um, natural. I, I I wanted to study sociology and I think it informs a lot of my, my work. Once I started reading the canon of bell, bell hooks and Audre Lorde and, and the like, there was no turning back. It's kind of tough when you really like something and you're not the best at it. My ADHD made like printmaking really difficult or just I would leave things around, forget how many layers I did, but like my images were really emotional and meaningful to me. So I think like my professors were still always really receptive to what I made, which was really nice, but it almost felt like good timing. Like I needed to maybe explore um, the images I was trying to make in print form. I think everyone who's faced trauma like during the pandemic has had to face it again in some capacity. So many of my friends have had to like almost re- retreat themselves or like it's just so easy like fall into habits when when things get hard again. I had to process more of uh, a sexual assault incident that happened last summer. So that's been an interesting journey and like some of my Erwin money has gone towards therapy. I'm so, so grateful for this scholarship. It was really, really, really needed in this moment for me. It like blew my mind that I thought that I had worked through something or, you know, it had been a year and figured out (laughs) how to not be scared anymore to like be around (laughs) and like sleep. And, And then it sort of hit me back and I was kind of like having that dip in my mental health. But yeah. I think I always wanted to go to art school, but I was too scared. And so this kind of felt like I could choose to do art and and no one was going to assume that that was all I was in case I like failed at it. And I'm really, really glad I did. My name is Sydney Geisinger and my degree right now is just in the general arts, but I'm also double majoring in business management. Coming into college, I was a painter and primarily doing that. And then through the classes and everything, I really wanted to expand and try a lot of different things. So I've kind of been all over the place and have really enjoyed 
that exploration and I've kind of landed on animation currently because it it requires so many different things you know knowledge about cameras and software and a lot of 3D sculpture creation but I think it was really affected also by the pandemic needing to address how the audience is seeing your work and the best way to get to them. I was really disappointed when we first learned that we we're going to be online because I don't have access to the studios on campus. And there are so many classes that I wanted to do that just really aren't possible without the studio. I had just gotten into printmaking and was really excited about it. And there are alternative printmaking processes, but it was really sad to know that I wouldn't be able to go into our studios that are like really well equipped and learn more with that. Because I feel like this is kind of the time in my life that I would really be able to. Um, also like the foundry class is, of course, everyone loves that every year. And, you know, things like that, the wood shop, the metal shop, there's so many things that I would have liked to pursue in that. But again, switching mediums and being adaptable is something that artists have to do all the time. And, you know, having to adapt and learn more animation and 2D and online things can help me in the future too. So I'm a little bit sad that I wasn't able to do that, but I'm, I'm happy overall with my education. And I think that I have learned so much in school and I can still keep learning as I go on. So I'm okay with that. The purpose of Let's Talk website was to lay out a series of pillars of white privilege and give kind of a history all the way up until today how that's affecting our society and how the pandemic has brought that to light and how to try to talk to someone that doesn't really understand their privilege that was like the main purpose of that website was to try to give resources and support for someone trying to explain to someone else their own privilege. That was an independent study from last quarter with D. Hibbert Jones. And something that I really respect a lot about her work is being able to intertwine a lot of perspectives. The pandemic has really brought to light for a lot of us, a lot of systemic issues that have been exacerbated by the pandemic. You know, it really shows you the nitty gritty of our society and a lot of the systems that we have. And so I felt like right before the last quarter was when the kind of riot at the Capitol or like the storming of the Capitol had happened. And I actually changed my whole project idea. And I was like, I need to fully address more of this. And I felt that the best way as a white person to be able to address this was learning for myself, number one, and trying to get other people to also learn and talk to each other about 
white privilege in the best way that I could present it as a white person. For the Irwin project, what I'm going to be doing in that project is more trying to focus on the positives and how to bring us all together, something that like the core of humanity is having community and the importance of providing for that community and having the support of each other and working for that support. That's what I'm mainly focusing on because I have been really in depth the last, you know, many months, been more focusing on how our systems have failed us. And so I wanted to try to turn in my last quarter to try to look at a positive way of how we can come together. My name is Saul Villegas and my degree is in studio art practice. I would say that it's confusing sometimes because um, there is a lot of paths that you can go into as far as being an artist. Um, but all of those paths, um, what have you, if you become a photographer or if you're you know, going into digital design or any one of those uh, outlets requires a lot of information and study and education. So uh, I would say that first generation for me means um, having to have that difficulty in navigating what exactly is that I was trying to do and how to properly get to the stage that would enhance my art career. So uh, and not having anyone around me to be able to uh, provide me those type of skills to give me either a head start or understanding of it, I think is what the most in uh, interesting part and most difficult part of, of being a first generation. I've always been a very curious student. I would say student because I think that that correlation with me being in the public school system, always being provided subject matter and materials for me to, uh, you know, either investigate or try to learn. And I think that the variety of subjects that were presented to me that I couldn't fully understand was the reason why um, I sort of did this reconciliation of things and subjects that I couldn't understand at that point in time. So it's about, for me, rediscovering those subjects and how to address them in an artistic way. So I feel that that's the reason why my art tends to have different aspects to it and more uh, specifically how art and science relate to one another. Because um, I've always had a fascination with science, but I didn't know how to properly go about being a science student or creating those science projects. But yeah, I think that the curiosity of these materials that were presented and for me to not know anything about them is what informs my art practice. The challenges were in living in a conservative area, identifying as a gay man, you know, growing up uh, in, a, in an area where you know, there's a lot of uh, small town mentality. It's very close-minded. 
a lot of uh, urban crime areas. So, you know, it was difficult in that sense because I wasn't able to fully express who I was at that time for fear, for fear of retaliation or, or, you know, homophobia or anything like that. But I think that art, what art did was help me express myself visually and and gain a lot of friends and people who just really love what I did. And I think that was some sort of distraction from, from the realities of other gay people that were facing during that time. So I think that living in a small area, I think those were the challenges for me was growing up with those traumatic events that you get to see and how to navigate um, those type of situations in a way to stay secure and, and grow up. So I think that was uh, difficult, but here I am. I think that the creative processes or the way you do art is a lifestyle and, and the approach to the way you you express yourself rather than the circumstances that confine you. So I feel like this hasn't really confined me in any way other than allowed me to be more creative in, in how to reach different audiences. Um, so for me, connecting with like the Humanities Institute or, you know, Earth and Marine Sciences, like I think that's what the university for me here has provided is that, you know, they say it's just the art department, but it's really not. You can really have free reign everywhere. It's, it's just a matter of you um, taking the initiative and making things happen. So I hope that with the work that I have done here, that I was, I'm able to provide some sort of proof of these documents or images of these projects that were, were moments of those departments kind of connecting and that it can continue and that we can continue to create not just art and science, but, you know, art and humanities, art and politics, art in you know, there's different areas for art to exist and for us to also, as artists, have a voice and expression and intellect in the university. I'm Chloe Calhoun, and I'm an art major and art history minor. I wasn't fully ready to commit like, oh, I'm going to get, you know, a degree in art. And I just, I felt like it was a lot of pressure. You know, I know like a lot of my classmates at 17, you feel like you're ch like choosing, you know, your whole future and it feels like a heavy burden to be put upon you. But I knew that if I, if I, you know, majored in something else that I was also interested in I knew that I would have been like really disappointed not to be able to take the art classes I wanted to and to be locked out of you know the upper dibs and so I was like even if I decided to do a double major I knew that I really wanted one of them to be art. I mostly do printmaking and so like losing studio access was really tough and I still am not able to do a lot of the things that I, you know, I would need studio access for. It was like really disappointing to learn these new mediums that I couldn't possibly translate to my home studio. And I tried to get back into my painting practice. I like to paint, but 
I hadn't done it in a while. So it felt kind of, I was trying to like make the best of the situation and see like, oh, now I can use this time to work on my paintings. And I really liked that I could just set my easel up in the middle of my bedroom and just sit down and paint. I ended up getting really inspired by the redwoods on campus, the, the wildlife, the, the nature, and I really didn't want to take things for granted and because I knew that I would only be living on campus for a couple of years. And I, I definitely tried to always like slow down and just like notice everything around me. And that's been, that's been appearing in my art. My name is Kaylin Meeks. I'm a fourth year full art major and I'm about to graduate this spring. I originally was actually a bio major before I was an art major and I was just in love with uh, just the campus, the people, just everything about it. I sort of had the energy that I was looking for and the art department is just so lovely and small and connected and everyone's so close. It's really great. I think I always just sort of had the inclination towards art and I just hadn't really had that push prior to college to sort of explore that part of myself. And once I got to college and sort of had that freedom, I did what I really wanted to do, I think. When the pandemic hit, I moved back in with my parents. So I'm in their living room. This is my um, fourth wall, which is just a curtain. Um, so it's definitely been challenging to sort of navigate accessibility and in doing so it's become, I don't know, a very interesting way to create a new practice. I've explored new practices just during the pandemic and it's interesting to like tackle them in such an isolated space. Cause I, so I'm doing stop motion and it's sort of like, I've totally DIY'd every aspect of it and I'm not sure. <laughs> how it even would have went down in person anymore because I'm just, I don't know, every practice has sort of become our own practice and our own isolated thing, which is interesting. I think just dealing with the isolation and mental illness and chronic illness and sort of navigating that throughout a pandemic and then also trying to like navigate art practice and staying in school and then feeling like just totally out of place and like overwhelmed by having to take care of yourself and then simultaneously being like, I have to do this. It sort of feels like art as like a struggle or art as like something that you're pushing into existence rather than like just something that you're doing. It's like very, I don't know, a very forced thing. I feel like it's art for survival at this point is very much how it feels. I'm just really excited. <laughs> I think it's it's definitely been a hard year for us to handle, but I think that the work that we're producing and the sort of way that we're vocalizing our our struggles and our anxiety is helpful and thought provoking. I'm Colleen Jennings. I'm the digital arts technical coordinator. And my job with the Irwin show is to build the virtual model and to place the virtual artworks. 
So the benefit of having done this last year now is that we do have a little bit of a routine. I have some idea of what their artwork looks like and what they're asking me to do. Uh, and now we're going through a process where I have students reaching out to me individually and working out time where we can talk about what their expectations are and how we can accommodate those requests and uh, how we can figure out how to make those things virtual. So even though I'm, I'm doing a lot of things really similarly to last year, I'm also still going through this kind of headspace where I have to make something new happen and figure out how to make it look good and how to make a student really uh, enjoy what they're they're putting out in the world uh, without you know kind of messing with a physical manifestation of it. I also find that the gallery curator Shelby she really enjoys that kind of freedom too, being able to knock down walls and change wall colors and do things that in physical reality would take a lot of time and effort. I think for both the students and the curators, that's a really interesting aspect of this entire experience for them. My name is Louise Leong, and I'm the museum preparator at the Mary Porter Cessnon Art Gallery. They do seem to be adapting really well, so I try to offer as much support as I can. I think the struggle is still the space for the artists. I've heard that myself from the the Irwin scholars that they're working in really small spaces. Some of them have, you know, up to eight other housemates. They're all sharing internet for classes and Zoom. So they're really, you know, confined to smaller spaces in that way. So, so that definitely seems to be an ongoing challenge, especially with the ongoing housing crisis in Santa Cruz. I know that not all of the scholars are in Santa Cruz. I think that they're really resilient with what they're doing. It was really nice to be awarded with the Irwin Scholarship. Going to that show when we were freshmen and seeing what you could do within the UCC art department was really nice. It definitely inspired us um, to keep pushing with majoring in art. I've heard of the Irwin before. Um, we, Caroline and I both went to the, like our first Irwin show um, our freshman years and we were really astonished and like amazed by the artists and um, we kind of saw them as our role models actually at that point. I'm very grateful to have gotten it and I'm grateful to like been able to feel recognized in this way. I'm very proud of this this award. I, it's very new to me, but I still take it as, you know, an incredible honor. I am very thankful, you know, to the Irwin family and to the, you know, department for giving me this opportunity and in general, you know, creating such an amazing space for the arts and the diversity that, you know, the arts can bring. So I am very proud. Getting the award and it was just totally a surreal experience. Like it, it, it didn't feel like it was it was real. I remember um, just like checking my checking my email and being like, "Oh, you got it. Oh, okay." <laughs> uh, yeah, just total like 
this total disbelief in it being being remote and like <laughs> um, the, the only people I had to share it with were, were my family. So, so I told them that I got it and they were like, cool, what's that? Well, when I first got the nomination, I was like in complete shock. It had never even been on my radar. I had known it as like this huge prestigious thing that I'd never imagined myself sort of being in that position to get it. And so it was just uh, like the greatest honor. I'm still like processing how it sort of all went down, but yeah. I think I heard about the Irwin Scholarship either one or two years ago when I started taking more studio classes. And because I went to the one in 2019, which was the last one in person, and I knew that like I wanted that. It felt great just to have some kind of recognition and just kind of felt really validating that like maybe I'm on the right path you know my choosing devote myself to art the Irwin award is very special to me because I've never received a scholarship before and I've known about the Irwin award since my second year I'm a fourth year now and I see students planning their events, the gallery, and I see this whole show and I would pass by every spring. And I remember the last show and that was in person. It was so amazing because it was, it was students and they were just having a great time and planning this whole event for themselves and they're fully funded. I spent so, so much time in the studios on campus. It was like the happiest place ever because I didn't have a ton of space in my shared housing off campus. So I would kind of wait to the last minute to leave most days. And I feel like I got really close with most of the scholars from last year. And I was so overjoyed for them. I hadn't known a ton about it up until my sophomore year when I went to my first Irwin exhibit and was just absolutely blown out of the water by all the amazing artworks that were showcased there and, you know, thought it would be such a great goal to work towards being a part of that show. And so I'm glad that, you know, it worked out for me, but it was definitely like a huge surprise and really fun, exciting surprise. I was so shocked. One of my professors, Elliot, like emailed me and was like, I really need to talk to you. And I was like, oh, geez, like what's going on? And he was like, can we set up a Zoom like right now? And I was like, sure. <laughs> and he told me that he had nominated me and I was just floored. I had no idea that that was like going to be in the cards for me. I knew how much of like an important award this is. And I was shocked that I was nominated at all. I was just so like proud just to be like recognized for the nomination. And so when I found out that I actually got it too, it was even more floored. It was just like, oh, you know? <laughs> you know, when I, when I barely came to the university, I came across a lot of the scholarships and different awards that were presented to students that excelled in, in the arts. And Erwin, for me, was a reach. I really thought, wow, you know, not only am I foreign to this environment of academia, how am I going to be able to prove or show that I am that passionate about the arts? And so in the beginning, um, I remember speaking with Jimin Lee, but she gave me some really good advice. And she told me, you know, don't worry about 
trying to get it. Just worry about your work and, you know, do focus on your projects. And, and it, for me, I just did that. And I kept working on what it was uh, that I was trying to present. So the idea of the Irwin for me, again, was a very far reaching uh, award that I didn't anticipate in getting, but that I, I knew that if I continued to show the type of work that I did and how important it was for me and in the art department and other students to see that somehow maybe I would have a chance in getting it. So it's, it's a very uh, honorable and I'm very proud to have received it. We have, you know, all grown and persevered together through through this. So we have a shared experience. And so I think that that is that is great. This year is definitely different. There's more hope this year. Last year we were more coping. Uh, I miss the the students, you know, actually helping with the installation, uh, learning how their work looks, speaking to uh, their colleagues, you know, their peers, the work in the room, and also just having, that's our blockbuster show. It's a huge celebration, and I saw that. It's really an exciting show, and it has become really the most popular show at the Cessnon Gallery. So that that's pretty exciting that it's gonna live on. We don't really want the gallery experience to go away, even though we, you know, we can go online and go to the Met. Um, but we still want people to visit museums and get that experience. Um, and as you know, museums are changing. Everything is changing. And it's, you know, we can just say the pandemic did that, but also we have, we're having a big cultural shift right now. And we're all re-examining our roles and how we can help each other. And I think we need to pay attention to these times. It's weird to graduate in this time <laughs> in terms of like jobs and I don't even know what. I was thinking about that the other day and how our world has changed so dramatically just in that last year and you know how birds sing different songs and it, it just it's quite crazy i think just this last year has been super hard to sort of deal with the world and the challenges within the world and then sort of struggling to feel like your work matters and like what you're doing is valuable when it sort of feels like the whole world around you is burning <laughs> And I think that's sort of definitely what this show is getting at. Definitely just what my practice has been getting at is like, you don't have to fix everything, but if you can sort of find some sort of comfort or solace or like any amount of, of like mental sanity with everything that's going on, it's important. But I really like believe in everyone in this show and I like can't wait to see them in 10 years and have another show.
The UC Santa Cruz Arts Division is very grateful for the William Hyde Irwin and Susan Benteen Irwin Scholarship, now in its 35th year. It is the most prestigious award in the art department at UC Santa Cruz, and selection is based on the excellence of the nominee's creative work. Students each receive $2,500. Fabricating Solace opens online on June 3, 2021. For more information about the Irwin 2021 Fabricating Solace virtual exhibition and related events, and to find out more about the artists, please visit art.ucsc.edu. Thank you for listening. Take care, and please check back for future episodes. This podcast is a production of the UC Santa Cruz Arts Division. Written, edited, and produced by me, your host, Maureen Dixon Harrison. Theme music by Eric Mack. All other music by Kevin McLeod.